We're kicking off a brand new series today. It's called Ready or Not, and it's all about change, because that's kind of how change works. It happens whether you're ready or not. It happens whether you want it or not. It happens whether you sought to create it or not. It's a real thing. And so since change is part of our lives, we're going to look at how God can use that in our lives and how we can grow through it. We can even grow through the process of change. And maybe for some of you, you hear about a message series on change and it just brings up some joy in your heart because you're like, yeah, I, I love change. I work in, in an industry or a business where change is common. I'm used to rolling with it. That's great. Let's do this. For others, maybe not as much. Maybe you're like, I don't like change. I hate change. In fact, we all know the saying, right? The only people who like change are wet babies, right? And, and they don't even like the process of change. They just like the end result, right? Like, so, so why do we got to focus on it, right? Why do we have to do that? I mean, it just seems like unnecessary pain if change is going to happen. Why do we have to talk about it here at church? Well, I don't believe that it's true that that the only people who like change are wet babies. I don't think that's accurate. In fact, I think that for all of us, there's areas where we actually do appreciate change and other areas where we really don't like it and tend to resist it. And those areas can be different depending on who you are. Uh, but I think that's a real thing for all of us. Uh, for example, as you know, if you think back with me to the, the blissful, wonderful days of early 2020. Remember that time? Such a different era, right? And remember as leaders, we were saying things like, we have a, a, a 2020 vision, right? Let's talk about that. And soon we'd find out that our 2020 vision looked more like a punch in the nose and a kick in the crotch, right? Like, this is terrible. Like, I didn't want this. I didn't set out this great new year with this in mind that all of a sudden everything's going to be shut down. I can't even go to church. I can't go to my favorite places. I can't eat in restaurants, all this kind of stuff. Oh, man, right? So today, thank God, in fact, just in my short time here with you at Anderson Hills, we've seen a lot of change and a lot of development here in 2021, right? And you know, I've had zero people come up to me and say, boy, I just... I hate all these changes of 2021. I was hoping we could just live 2020 over and over and over. If that's you, oh, you need to have your head examined, right? Because that's not normal. Like, we don't want another year like that. So we all appreciate change in certain circumstances, and I'm betting there's others by which we all can resist it. That's kind of normal. Uh, for example, for me, I, I had a, an injury not too long ago, kind of sports-related thing, and I, uh, it took me a little while to go into the doctor, right, because I'm stubborn, you know, it takes some time. But eventually I broke down, went in, and they, they said, the doctor said, well, you know, I've got some, some good news and some bad news for you. The, the good news is it doesn't require surgery or something like that. The, the bad news is, though, that, uh, that you're going to have to start looking more at sports like a uh, middle-aged man looks at sports. And I'm like, why do I have to do that? I'm not a middle-aged man. I'm only 41, right? Oh, shoot. <laughs> that, dang it, that is middle-aged, right? Like, I, oh, I don't like the sound of that at all, right? But it happens. Time passes. Things 
change. Things change. Change happens. It does. We can fight it all we want, but the fact is, change happens. And, and it's hardwired even into the blueprints of creation. God, God created a world that could adapt for all the changes that, that are here. So it's a reality. And today we're going to look at a Bible verse or a passage that talks about change, about the reality that change happens and it's going to address that. It's a very famous, probably the most famous passage in the book of Ecclesiastes. Most people think it was written by Solomon. This passage is famous enough. It actually was put to music years ago. And if you're into 1960s rock, you might know the song Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds, right? Some of you, you probably like that. You can go home, you can put on your bell bottoms, get your vinyl out, rock out to it. It's going to be like it's like devotions, right? Because it's literally all the words that I'm going to read today in these verses. So Solomon says this, and he's kind of playing like the opposites game here, you know? Like he gives us kind of one thing and then the other because he's showing us how seasons change from here to here. Some of it we, we get and we celebrate. Others of it, it gets kind of dark and, and difficult. Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, which, time out, that, that, I, I was understanding it up until here, right? But the stone scattering business, I'm not so sure that I understand. So I, I was reading in some commentaries, and like, they all gave different answers, which means they don't know either, right? Even the smart people, they don't get it, right? I didn't feel so bad. And, and, and the range of answers was almost comical. I mean, no joke, one of them said that this business of scattering stones, that this is like some type of like euphemism for sex, which I don't even get. If you get it, please don't explain it to me. I don't need to hear that from you, okay? So move on. Uh, anyway, another one said that this comment uh, that, that said that scattering stones, it's like a um, somebody who throws rocks into their enemy's field so the plants gr won't grow. And that sounds like a ridiculous amount of work for a prank, you know? I mean, that's a lot of effort. You should just teepee their house or something, right? But regardless, we don't know on that one. The rest of them, we get it, okay? So a time to embrace and a time to, re to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate. Not that we hate people, but we hate evil. A time for war, and a time for peace. It gets dark in some places, because this is life. These are the seasons, the changes of life, and they happen whether or not we want them to. And, and Solomon has highlighted the fact that change happens, and so now in the next verse he's going to shift gears, and he's going to reflect on how God, who is above time, how God relates to us as we deal with change. 
Verse 9, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So Solomon gives us a little bit of of sympathy here. He, He refers to the constant changing of seasons as a burden. And you're probably like, yeah, change, it can be a burden. I've experienced the burden of change before, and I, I don't always like it. We've, we've all gone through that at one point or another where we're going through a change, and we say, God, what's the point? This is hard. It's, it's painful. My, my family was, I thought it was going pretty good, but then my spouse walked out. It's so painful. Or we had our family, our loved ones, and then we lost somebody. They passed away long before their time. Never wanted that change. Or maybe it was a job that you you loved or at least appreciated, and you lost the job. It was so, so difficult. Maybe it was a friendship that went south. Maybe it was a medical diagnosis. I don't know what it was for you, but... I bet you got a few of them that you can think back and say, yeah, those changes were burdensome. And hear me, that doesn't mean that God caused or even wanted that change. I mean, a lot of the painful changes are a result of sin, whether it's my sin or somebody else's around me. And God never wills sin. Sin is always outside of the will of God. So there's changes that happen that are not God's will, that are not God's doing. Maybe change has brought picture into your life, or pain into your life, but but God helps us look at the bigger picture. That that the reality is that it says He makes everything beautiful in its time. Now, that, again, doesn't mean he created it, but like God takes all the stuff of life, good, bad, indifferent, and he says that he's weaving it together in a way that makes it beautiful in its time. Now, that word, its, that's what I have a problem with. (laughs) I want it in my time. I'm good with change happening in my time. I'm good with things happening when I want them to happen. But that's not how life always goes. I want things made beautiful now. I want it all. I want it now. You know, I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to wait to see God's kingdom come, God's will be done here on earth as is in heaven. Like, I want it all today, and yet it's a process. It's a painful sometimes process. I don't want to see marriages breaking up. I don't want to see families divided. I don't, I don't want to see people going hungry. I don't want to see racism. I don't want to see children suffering or abandoned or aborted. I don't want any of that. I want it now. And things don't always happen in my timeline. And it's tough. And, you know, some people look at this, it says that God has set eternity on the human heart. Some people look at this and they say, yeah, that's like a, 
it's like a nasty trick God pulls. That, that all this stuff, all this pain, all this challenge, and, and, and he's got this like master playbook that I can't see, and it makes me mad. Sometimes we feel that way. We feel that way. But you know, I don't, I don't believe that it's a trick that God is playing on us. No, change is hard, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that change is always bad. Certainly some changes are bad, but it doesn't mean that it's always bad. I believe that change is always an opportunity for growth. It always is an opportunity for growth. When, when life changes, when I'm not, that means I'm not going to spiritually stay the same as a result of going through that change. I could move further from God. I could move closer to God. But when big change happens in my life, it's going to impact my spiritual life as well. As, and it's an opportunity for growth. And thus, when I look at it that way, I don't have to be so afraid of it because it's, a, it's an opportunity. And I know that it can still seem like a burden, but regardless, Solomon tells us that he has set eternity on the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It set eternity on our hearts. It means we've got a bigger perspective, that we can interpret things through more than just the lens of what's happening right now in my life and how do I feel like it. We're, we're on this greater scheme, we're on this greater plan that's bigger than what I can even understand. And I bet, I bet that if you think back, you can remember times in your life where God worked in these ways, where a change happened that you didn't like, that you didn't understand, and yet God was even at work in it. I can think of a bunch for me, but one that comes to mind, I, I've shared it with a number of you in, in small groups, um, shared various versions of this story, but in about 2008, um, I've been praying, and, and Jennifer and I, we felt that God was leading us to, to, uh, for me to apply for this doct doctoral program at the seminary I'd gone to, Asbury Seminary. It's an amazing program. They take you around to some of the most successful churches in the country for like a year. You're doing classwork and studying in that way, and then you go back the next couple years, you write your dissertation. I just, I felt I was called to do that, and so um, I'd applied. I was in. I let my church know, and then early 2009, I get a call just a couple months before we're supposed to go, and and they said, you know, the uh, well, you might remember the stock market had uh, gone through some rough times in 08 and 09, and it had dropped so much. This was an endowment-based program, and so they had they said, you know, we got to cancel it this year. We hope to bring it back next year, but we're just we 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 don't have the finances this year. And I was devastated. I understood the rationale. It wasn't that. But I had just sensed so strongly in my spirit that this was of the Lord. This was what we were supposed to do. And, and now we had already let, let our church know we were going to be moving on. And, and so I, I remember I went to my DS, my district superintendent, to talk. But before that, I went into our, our worship center in the church and it was dark, and I remember just, just laying down on the floor and just crying out to God and saying, God, what are you doing? I thought for sure that I heard your voice, that I knew this was right. Why would you, like, why would you open this door and then just slam it in my face? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know that feeling, maybe in much worse situations than this. 
I called my district superintendent, and I explained, and I said, hey, like, I just, I need something to do for a year, you know, like, we've got, like, about a thousand churches in West Ohio, so I said, look, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll be an interim. I'll fill a gap. It doesn't have to be a pretty situation. Just send me, and, and I'll do it. And, and he told me something that I now know to be a lie. He goes, we don't have anything like that. Well, they always have things like that, right? I mean, come on, pastors, we're always messing something up. There's always some need for somebody to step in somewhere. And, but then he told me something true. He said, John, you need to open your mind more. I, I know what you need to be doing. I know what God has for you here, but you're going to have to let go of this short-term business. This is not a short-term kind of thing. He said, and and he sent me to Faith Community United Methodist Church up in Westchester, which interestingly, at the time, very, very similar to Anderson Hills. We had both traditional and contemporary worship. We had a strong commitment to missions, a large staff, about the same size of church, uh, great children's and youth, and all these kind of things that no two churches are the same, but, but it was exactly, exactly what I needed for God to be preparing me for now and, and this season of life. And eventually, God would call us to go in a different way to get that doctorate and all that kind of stuff. But, but God was at work in a bigger way that I could see. I bet you've got stories like that. But you know, there's other times where bad change happens that it doesn't get so neatly tied up with a little bow on it like that. I mean, I, I had a friend, a, a pastor friend, a pastor's a pretty decent-sized church, and in, in the course of, of two years— they had a staff member who stole $400,000. Think about that. That's money that people like me and you gave sacrificially. And we didn't give it to a church. We gave it to the Lord, right? That's why we give. People gave this to God, and somebody went and flushed it down the toilet. It was a gambling addiction. And... And I don't know, honestly, if you said, well, okay, so how's God going to make that beautiful? I don't know. I don't have an answer. And that's okay. Because I don't know everything. And because God has set eternity on our hearts. And, and I know, for one, that theft was not God's will, of course. But what will God do through it? I don't know. Honestly, this date, it's been a while. I still don't see it. I don't but I trust in a God who's bigger than me. I trust in a God who's bigger than all of those things. And you know, since so many changes are outside of our control, Solomon challenges us to find meaning in them and to find meaning in the changes and practices that follow those changes. For example, verse 12, he says, I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does this so people will fear him. Now, fear, that doesn't mean being terrified, okay? It means fear like respecting, knowing God's all-powerful, respecting God's authority in our lives as, as our Lord. Like, 
a little simple example. We uh, we just moved into our house. We've been doing a lot of projects, and some of them involve electrical work, right? So whenever I'm working on that, I always go turn the, the uh, flip the breaker, right? You got to turn the power off. Why? Am I afraid of electricity? Not really, but I respect it. Let me tell you, because I don't want it flowing through my body. You know, not fun. And and it's and God's power is infinitely bigger than that. It's not that we are terrified of him, but we respect, we respect the power of God. And you know, God is eternal, and this lifetime is not all you've got. The world that we see right now is not the final answer. It's only the beginning of all of eternity that we get to spend with God in heaven. There's so much more than what we see right now. Isaiah said it this way, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Bottom line, God's bigger than you, and that's okay. It really is. In fact, it's more than okay. It's one of the greatest hopes that we have. In the midst of change and disruption and the messes that that makes, God loves you. God cares about you. God is infinitely more stable than all of the change around us. Listen to Jesus' words. This is what he thinks of us. Matthew 10. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Friends, God cares. He knows and he cares. He knows everything about you. He knows the hairs you have or you don't have. He knows the thoughts that you think before you even think them. He knows everything you've ever done, and he still forgives you, still loves you, still embraces you as his adopted daughter or son. That is our God. That is his love for you. The same God that knows when a bird falls from the sky, he cares so deeply for you. He knows when you fail the test. He knows when one of your family members lets you down. He knows when you lose the loved one, when you go through the pain. Change happens, but God cares. Isaiah 41 says it this way, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you believe that? I do. I'm not sure you do. I want you to stand on your feet, and I want to invite you to read this with me. Read it aloud and read it loudly. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise, and it's true. He'll always be upholding you. He always has. He always will. In fact, would you, just for a moment, would you close your eyes with me? Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now, and I am asking that you would bring to mind, that you would bring to mind times where we have gone through painful changes, and you 
have been faithful. Times where we did not see a way, but you made a way. Times where we thought everything was a loss, but you did not abandon us. Times where maybe we even walked away from you, but you never failed us. You never walked away. In fact, God, you made a way. You made a way. You made it possible for us to make it through. Thank you, God. We praise you for your faithfulness that never changes. We praise you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We praise you because in the midst of change, you remain faithful. And Lord, as we sing to you, as we praise you this day, God, I pray that you would remind us of how you truly are the way maker. You are the one who helps us through. You did it yesterday. You're going to do it today. And we trust that you'll do it tomorrow. God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' holy name.